You're listening to the Roadmap to Diet Success, Episode 20, Triggers, Habits, and Emotional Eating. Did you know that you don't have to spend money on a diet program or weigh, measure, and track your food? What if you could learn to have success by following an easy roadmap that takes you on adventures from learning how to change your mindset so that you can believe in yourself? to learning about what foods work best in your body and why. Join me, Miriam Hatoum, health coach, course creator, and author of Breaking Free from Diet Prison as I give you actionable coaching advice that is sure to empower you so that you will finally find peace with food and learn to trust your body's signals. You've got this, girl. Oh, and before we start, I want to let you know that the primary purpose of this podcast is to educate and does not constitute medical advice or services. And I'm keeping up with the science as fast as I can so I can share with you the latest breaking research in this area to help you achieve your dreams. We all have triggers, habits, and emotional connections with food. When we are hungry, but not really physically hungry, we know it is head hunger, heart hunger, or, which covers both, emotional hunger. Further in the episode, I talk about disassembling triggers and habits, but here are examples of my efforts. I found that when I went into a grocery store that has the bakery right at the front, my brain was totally scrambled. More often than not, I would get something from the bakery no matter how good I was being. Worse, I would resist that but then binge later, not even knowing why I was binging. Self-sabotage at its best, my friends. I eventually went into a different entrance. As a matter of fact, if I remember correctly, I came in through the exit, even if it meant that I had to wait for someone to leave the store so that the automatic doors would open and I could slip in, going in the wrong direction. Now I no longer go into that store. If I need something on special that only that store has, I send my husband or I pay a few more cents somewhere else. My only way through this head hunger was to find my way out of it by not exposing myself to the trigger that caused it. Now my efforts to disassemble a habit. A habit that I recently disassembled is nighttime eating. I am not a person who fasts easily, but I was willing to try a 12-12 fast just to break my habit of nighttime eating. 12-12 stands for fasting 12 hours followed by a 12-hour eating window. This does not mean I eat for 12 hours, but if I take my last bite at 7 p.m., then I don't have anything to eat until 7 a.m. the next day. Baby steps, my friend. I don't go near the kitchen after dinner. I make two to three tall drinks with crushed ice, putting two of them in thermoses so I have no reason to go into the kitchen for anything. My battle against that evening head hunger was not easy, but I have succeeded. Now on to triggers, habits, and emotional connections, and what you might be able to do to disassemble them all. 
It starts with understanding what they are. Triggers. A trigger could be a food itself. A trigger food is a specific food that sets off a course of overeating where control is lost. The most common trigger foods are calorie-dense, highly palatable foods that are often in combinations of sugar and fat, such as ice cream and cookies, or fat and salt, such as nuts, potato chips, and french fries. A trigger could be a behavior. It could be something as innocent as walking past the bakery, catching a whiff of freshly baked bread, and wanting to have it, whether we are hungry or not. In this case, the food itself was the trigger, in that you smelled the bread so wanted it. But the trigger can also be the behavior of walking through or by a bakery. A trigger could involve deeper layers, such as always wanting to eat after a phone call or an argument with someone. Now, habits. Habits can also be along the same spectrum, such as always having popcorn at the movies or wanting to avoid a dreaded activity, and you have the habit of eating so that it sidetracks you. Remember, habits are not always consciously motivated. Sometimes they are controlled by our lizard brain, meaning that we put absolutely no conscious thought into our actions at all. We just do something and either don't realize we are doing it or wonder why afterwards we did. You are almost mystified why you ate something. As I mentioned in episode 19, your habits are the pickles in your brain. The triggers you experience are also those pickles. You can work so hard to change a response to a trigger or change a habit altogether. But once in a while, that pickle will pop up to the surface. Don't beat yourself up over it. It happens. You're human. The trick is to at least cultivate an awareness about these things. Now, changing the habit but still responding to the trigger. You might be in the habit of always stopping in for fast food along a certain route. Is it a habit or is it seeing the golden arches as a trigger? You might still be responsive to the trigger of seeing the golden arches if you pull in, but you can order a diet soda or coffee instead of a whole meal. So you have sort of broken the usual habit while still responding to the trigger. Now on to emotional connections. And what about emotional connections to food? Simple emotional connection to a specific food. This can be what happens with a comfort food. It is enjoyable to eat, and it might make you happy as it brings back fond memories of some person or some event. It also might not be your best food choice at the moment. Deeper emotional connections to food. These are entwined with triggers and habits. This is when you turn to food when you are anxious, bored, angry, unhappy, frustrated, or depressed, or any other negative emotion like that. The circumstance itself might be a trigger, or using food as avoidance and soothing might be your habit. Needing to eat for this avoidance or soothing is called head hunger. The connection might even be deeper. 
Perhaps you grew up with abuse or no friends, for instance. Food became your only source of comfort, love, or entertainment. Food might have been your only friend. Food might have been the only source of love and caring from a parent. Food could have represented significant happiness in your life, such as having attention and being loved at your birthday parties or enjoying friends and family at holidays. This is where your triggers and habits may have found fertile soil. This is also head hunger, but when it is deeper like this, we call it heart hunger. So anything can be on this spectrum, from the innocent smell bread, want bread trigger to the not so innocent food is the only thing I can count on. I am not here to dissect what is going on with that. But it is important to know that once you have made these associations for years, you forge neural pathways in your brain. I stress with my clients over and over and over again, they are not broken. In fact, everything is working brilliantly. And please see the bonus guide for this episode, The Brilliance of Chocolate Cake, to learn more about this. Now on to self-sabotage. Over and over again, people beat themselves up for self-sabotage. That is another whole ball of wax. But you can pick apart that ball of wax. You can slowly acknowledge and disassemble triggers just as you can acknowledge and disassemble habits. Make very small changes. We talked in episode 18 about the concepts of Kaizen, maps, and laddering. Please go back and listen to that episode to help you with these gentle changes. Disassembling a trigger. If every time you finish a meeting with your boss, which usually doesn't go well, you head straight for the vending machine. Do this instead. Find a quiet place to close your eyes and breathe slowly for two or three minutes, even if you have to head straight to the ladies' room to do it. Then go to the vending machine if you still feel you must. Then eat half of whatever treat you bought. Breathe another two or three minutes. Don't stew and rehash the meeting. Just listen to your breath. Your brain cannot do two things at once. Just listen to your breath and count. Then, if you must, eat the other half of your treat. Over time, you might have the same trigger, but your response to it will change. Do this tiny step method whenever you realize you are reaching for food in response to something that has happened to you and not because you are hungry. Now, disassembling a habit. Disassembling a habit works much in the same way. Let's go back to the Golden Arches example. You can absolutely change your food's order to something better for you than what you usually get. You can even drive by and tell yourself, not today, but I speak wholly from personal experience here. That tends to come out sideways. That means that you might binge later, not even knowing why, or order more the next time you stop because, after all, you were good the other day. How you disassemble this particular habit 
is to go down a different street. Out of sight, out of mind is really true. In a later episode, I will explore habits more deeply. But for now, a good place to start is to work on replacing the habit. With the Golden Arches habit, this could be replacing your route with one that does not go by a trigger location. Or it could be still going into the drive-thru, but getting something less damaging such as a beverage. Now, disassembling a connection. Disassembling a connection may be a little harder than disassembling triggers and habits. Your first step, as always, is awareness, which is really the hardest part. When you say to someone, I don't want to talk about it, then bingo. That's exactly what you need to face and talk about. Sometimes you might need professional help to unearth the connections because you aren't even aware they are there. You might need help to find out why you have the connections. Sometimes journaling will do that for you, but then you might need professional help to face the core issues and to help you dig and expose those roots. Please visit my blog on Emotional Eaters, where you will see reference to therapy. The link is in the show notes and transcript. Just as with triggers and habits, connections can be on a spectrum as well. Some issues might require professional help, but sometimes it is just a light bulb moment. An example might be, oh, I never realized that when I'm craving ice cream, it always happens when I'm anxious. Next time I am craving ice cream, I will see if I really want it. I know this is an oversimplification, but not everything is deep and dark and shrouded in sadness and abuse. Sometimes it is just that a certain food might soothe you, and once you are aware of it, you can work to break that connection. Now I want to read you the autobiography in five chapters by Portia Nelson. I think this might be the single most important thing that you will ever read that will help you see my point about how to disassemble triggers and habits. Chapter 1 I walk down the street. There is a deep hole in the sidewalk. I fall in. I am lost. I am hopeless. It isn't my fault, but it takes forever to find a way out. Chapter 2 I walk down the same street. There is a deep hole in the sidewalk. I pretend I don't see it. I fall in again. I can't believe I'm in the same place, but it isn't my fault. It still takes a long time to get out. Chapter 3 I walk down the same street. There is a deep hole in the sidewalk. I see it is there. I still fall in. It's a habit. My eyes are open. I know where I am. It is my fault. But this time I get out immediately. Chapter 4 I walk down the same street. There is a deep hole in the sidewalk. I walk around it. Chapter 5 I walk down another street. What mistakes do we make and why? 
The biggest mistake that we make is not learning about and acknowledging our physical hunger. If you do not know what physical hunger feels like in your body, how will you know if the hunger is not physical? Another mistake is that we tend to be reactionary. This could mean something as simple as see cookie, want cookie, eat cookie. Oftentimes it is no more than that, but we don't realize the impulse there. We don't parse it out and take the time to ask ourselves first, do we really want the cookie? Okay, we want it, but is it just a reaction to seeing it? Second, are we even physically hungry for it? Sometimes the reaction is deeper. We run to food for distraction. Are we lonely and don't want to think about it? Are we tired and don't want to rest? Are we angry and don't want to process that? Are we bored and don't want to do something? Or we do want to do something and we don't know what we want to do. Whatever the reason we are running to the food, it is all in our heads and hearts, meaning that it is not physical, it is not in our stomachs. Go back to episode 19 and read about putting a pause between the reaching for the food and the eating of the food. If you have a coherent thought in your head about reaching for the food, then put the pause there. Now the cost of not putting in a pause. The cost of not putting in that pause is that you will never give yourself the opportunity to break the cycle of your head hunger, heart hunger, and habit hunger. Honestly, if you could just do that, it would eliminate so much overeating and you would automatically start to release your extra weight without being on the search for the latest and greatest diet program promises. The cost of not putting in that pause means that you will never find peace with food, which is what I think most of us want, not even weight loss and not even better health. We just want peace. I am calling out a new way to handle triggers, habits, urges, cravings, and emotional connections. The very first thing I want you to do is to not berate yourself the next time this happens. It is normal. It is to be expected. The cravings and urges will hardly ever disappear. The triggers will always be there. What happened in the past to cause an emotional connection doesn't always dissolve. It will always be with you in your heart and your head. Remember the lesson about the pickles. I want you, the second you notice any head, habit, or heart hunger, to stop, even mid-bite, even as your hand is going into the chip bag for the third time. Say to yourself, oh, take a breath. Put the food down if you are holding it and say, good job, I noticed it. Awareness is the very first step. If you catch yourself before you have started eating, set that timer I talked about in episode 19. Breathe. Walk away from the food situation if you can. If the pull is too strong or the food is already gone, I want you to say, good job. 
I noticed it. That's all. Take away the berating, the self-hate, the chiding, or the despair. It's only food, my friend. I have a picture of myself from over 30 years ago when my life was overwhelming. Not necessarily sad, but it was a time in my life when self-care was at a minimum and I was frantically trying to diet, but instead was gaining weight. I keep that picture on my bureau. I look at it often and say, Miriam, thank you. It could have been drugs or alcohol or abusing my children. It was only food. Thank you. I love you. Now this week's actionable coaching advice. Start by downloading the Brilliance of Chocolate Cake booklet. The link is in this week's VFO section. Do the Why I Want Sugar worksheet. Reflect on your answers to these questions. What are three things you have noticed for yourself about the physical pull of foods and sugar? What are some of your habits paired with eating when you are not hungry, sweets in particular? What are three things you have noticed about yourself when you turn to food as an emotional component? Read through the rest of the booklet very carefully, and if you keep a journal, write about how you are not stuck and that you have just not broken the cycle of the feel-good chemicals in your brain. Go to the transcript and read, or listen again, to Autobiography in Five Chapters by Portia Nelson. Journal or think about what lesson you can take from this in your own life. Now this week's VFO, which stands for Valuable Free Offer. With this episode, I am giving you here again the booklet entitled The Brilliance of Chocolate Cake. It explains the feel-good chemicals that are released in your brain and that your brain actually lights up with the pleasure of eating. There is absolutely nothing wrong with you. You are thinking, feeling, and functioning exactly the way you are supposed to. Let's bury those pickles under some new cucumbers. You will see this booklet popping up in a lot of the VFOs because it is so important. Come on, if you haven't downloaded it already, do it now and do the exercise in it. The download is available at miriamhatoom.com brilliance. And as always, the direct link is in the show notes and transcript. And if you like what you hear, Please like and subscribe and remember to leave a review wherever you listen to your podcast. It helps other people find the show. Also, don't be a stranger. Come on over to my Facebook page, Breaking Free from Diet Prison, and let me know if there is anything you would like to see on the show. I always look forward to hearing from my listeners. You can also email me directly. Miriam at miriamhatoom.com. I especially would like to hear about episode ideas you are interested in. Next week, I'm going to explore yet another eating style with you. I'm going to look into the popular Mediterranean diet. The Mediterranean diet is based on traditional foods that people used to eat in countries bordering the Mediterranean Sea, including France, Spain, 
Greece, and Italy. Researchers noted that these people were exceptionally healthy and had a low risk of many chronic conditions. Sounds like something we should definitely look into. So go share the show with your friends, let them know what's coming up in the next episode, and invite them to tune in with you and learn how to become free from diet prison with my Roadmap to Diet Success. Until then, go live free from diet worry, and I'll see you back here next time.